Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Blue Jackets podcast, dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsdown with you on a Thursday afternoon, sunny and perfect in Central Ohio. Hope everyone's doing well. It is coaching week in Columbus, Ohio. We think it's coaches week. Um, GM Yarmo Kekalina wants to, has said he wants to have a coach in place before he heads to the Worlds on Sunday. Doesn't mean he's going to. I think he has said as much too. It doesn't always work that way, but that is the plan, or at least the hope. Um, I thought the most interesting revelation this week was that Mike Babcock has talked to the Blue Jackets regarding their coaching vacancy. Who would have imagined, um, not just given how Babcock's career has changed, but that long-time coach of the Red Wings, the hated Red Wings by many Blue Jackets fans, ever imagined that that man would could one day become the coach of the Blue Jackets. It's such a wild business, this game of, of hockey, isn't it? Um, please post a, a question. You can go step up to the stage, and, and we'll bring into the conversation um, – with yourself asking the question, or you can post a text message. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Uh, certainly appreciate you joining us. Um, what else is going on? Blue Jackets are, as we said, looking for a coach. They're looking for a goaltending coach as well. Um, I kind of thought one would be done before the other. I, th- I felt like the goaltending coach was was maybe not a priority, but would be the easier of the two. Um, and Kekalainen has said that he's handling them independently of each other. But if he gets the head coach in in, in uh, queue first, then certainly that person would have influence on who the goaltending coach is. The Blue Jackets have a lot of stuff to fix and a lot of things to improve upon. It, it should be a very busy summer. Uh, you've already seen the Voronkov move. We suspect there's going to be trades, free agent signings, uh, big-time moves to bolster the back end because that's really the desperate, crying need. Um, we can talk about the coaching. We can talk about you know, looking ahead to the draft or free agency, certainly. Leo Carlson, Will Smith, who's it going to be at three? Is there any chance Pantilli slides from two to three? How important are the world championships right now? Or Carlson's playing center, number one center for the Swedes. Um, so, yeah, let's have a have a uh, – a great conversation here today. Uh, we've got a, let's see, Jonathan B. is up on stage. Let's bring Jonathan B. in. And Jonathan, you are on Front of Nation. Over here. Hey there, Porty. How's it going today? Good, man. How are you? You sound like you're busy. Yeah, I've got a four-year-old at home with me. Let me tell it. you, it's a lot of fun working from home and having a four-year-old here. But he, I've like me, is a... He's like me as a big CBJ fan, and we have the unfortunate luck of living in Chicago. So it's been a really rough uh, couple of weeks here. Well, it's a great city. It's a great city outside of the obvious. Um, But I just wanted to say I don't want to be the tinfoil hat conspiracy guy. But when the name started to leak out on the coaching search, I can't help but think it's kind of setting up for Vincent to get the job and then say, well, look at who else we interviewed. It makes the most sense. He's who we're familiar with. Would you have rather have had 
Mike Babcock, who has, you know, the resume we're looking for, but all the baggage as well. Um, I personally, the more I'm reading about LaViolette, who I haven't followed really closely, I'm really keen to see what he would bring to the franchise. But just kind of wanted to hear what your thoughts on that were, because it just, you know, something, something smells a little fishy about all that. Well, I don't think there's anything, to me, nothing smells fishy. I think this is a, I just think it's an organization doing the, the process that it needs needs to do, wants to do. I think sometimes, and this could be all that Babcock is for them, is you want to talk to really smart, experienced hockey people and say what you will about Babcock and, and you know some of the things he's accused of doing. None of that's great. It's pretty undeniable he's a hell of a hockey coach. There's obviously an understanding of the game. So what does a mind like that think when he sees your team and your situation? It's never a bad thing to talk to somebody like that for an hour or more. Um, but I don't think there's any show ponies going on here. Like, I don't think they're, I really don't think they get, I don't think they have time for that kind of BS, to be honest with you, where I, I think they're talking to people who they are generally curious about and they genuinely see as candidates. Um, LaViolette to me is sort of a between Babcock and, a Vincent type where the baggage isn't there necessarily not an easy guy to play for, not always a fun guy to play for, but a very, um, a firm hand. And I think the question there is, is he going to be worth, are the blue jackets going to pay what he can't get on the open market? And I feel like the Rangers are having conversations with Laviolette too. I've conversed with him, uh, Privately, he does not want to to give interviews right now as the process is going on. Fully understand that. Um, but if it's a bidding war between the Blue Jackets and the Rangers, then then the Blue Jackets are moving on to the next guy because uh, the Rangers' pockets are obviously quite a bit deeper. But I, I don't think any of this is is being done to throw people off a scent or to make them look better in the event that they hire uh Pascal Vincent, which I don't think is a is necessarily a bad choice, but I do think no matter who else you talk to, if you do hire Pascal Vincent, there's going to be a lot of Blue Jackets fans who are underwhelmed. Very similarly uh to the way they were when Brad Larson was hired. Um so I, I don't think that changes anything. If 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 anyone's even thinking that this is going to make uh, hiring uh, Vincent more palatable to those those fans, I think that's crazy. I don't think that has any effect on it whatsoever. I do think there were some players in the room that that upon hearing that Mike Babcock was in or was being interviewed, uh, probably um, gulped and wondered just exactly where this is going because their lives. And again, I you know, there's a lot of guys Mike Babcock who love Mike Babcock as a coach who credit him with helping them develop their careers, win Stanley Cups, go to Cup Finals. It's not all bad, right? And I do think we have to be very careful here, too. And I know, Jonathan, you're not going down this path, but the stuff that he is, he's been accused of is nothing like what's been alleged, well, proven in Chicago with attempts to keep um, rape allegations uh under the 
under wraps to to basically shield somebody from that. This is none of it is in that ballpark at all. None of it's in the ballpark of what Bill Peters is accused of doing. Like what he did to Mitch Marner, obviously is not something he's proud of, and it's not a great moment in coaching. I, but I, it doesn't rise to the level of some of these other things. So I do think we have to be a little bit careful with some of this stuff. Um, I don't pretend to know what happened with Johan Franzen, the story that Chris Chelios first relayed on the Spit and Chicklets podcast a couple of few years ago, that Franzen has confirmed um, almost a nervous breakdown type situation. But um, none of that's great, of course. But I... I think that we have to sort of draw a clear distinction between some really awful things that other coaches have done and some stuff that a, a coach here has done that, that is stepping over a line, but not that line. Um, it is, it, to me, it's different. And I, to me, there's a responsibility to, to recognize that they don't all belong in the same sort of barrel. Um, so I would be surprised if Mike Babcock is the Blue Jackets coach. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but it's interesting to me that he interviewed, and it's interesting to me that he's starting uh, to get more more interviews. Jonathan, thanks for your question. I appreciate it. Um, let's go to uh, Keith E. Keith, if you are there. Thanks. Thanks, Porty, and thanks for doing this. I have a question about Yarmo. I had sure. heard uh, a while back on uh, another article that maybe he was on the hot seat before the Brad firing. And uh, Mike, I kind of wonder your your take on how he is as the GM. I I kind of almost get a feel that as a GM, he's a great scout and a great evaluator of talent, but maybe not so good on the people end of things. You know, I, I look at the players, you know, we've lost and, and, you know, he always says we want people that want to be here, but yet we've gotten rid of uh, – some real good talent that's openly stated they want to be here and, and some under, to me, some terrible circumstances like Bjork Strand on his honeymoon, Cam, you know, the day after he's, you know, representing the team at the uh, draft party. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that's been that's been alleged. And I, I, I do think, you know, GMs rarely – there's so much to that job that rarely is the GM uh, strong in every aspect of the job. So in other words, you know, some GMs are great negotiators. Some are great people person. Some are great scouts, as you mentioned. I think the key is to surround you, to surround yourself with people who supplement your weaknesses. And I think that's what John Davidson does here. I think John Davidson is very much a people person. Um, Yarmo is, haven't gotten to know him over the last 10 years. He is, he is a uh, warm, kind, funny person. But there's an exterior there. I mean, let's just be honest. There's cultural differences too. Now he's been in the States for a very long time, but Finns are, known to be rather quiet and introverted. And I think he fits that description a bit. I don't want to draw stereotypes here. Um, but 
Yeah, and, and, and so I think John Davidson supplements that part of him. I think he has others in his front office that Josh Flynn does the a lot of the negotiating and handles a lot of the sort of salary cap issues, the CBA issues, uh, is a lawyer. And so you know, no one really fits every description anymore because the job has gotten so large in scope, but you, it's who's around you that sort of supplements your weaknesses. And Yarmo does need a people person around. And I think John Davidson has sort of that touch for what, what, what sort of makes a house a home kind of thing, kind of makes a, a group of people feel more like family. Um, is he on the hot seat? I, I think he's more on the hot seat now than he's ever been. And I, I just think that's a product of, of changing coaches again. And, you know, the old adage is you get two coaches as a GM. You get two. And then people start looking at you. Um, right. So Yarmo has moved from Richards to Tortorella, from Tortorella to Larson, and now from Larson to somebody else. And so if this doesn't work, especially if you bring a veteran coach in, that, that's why I also think Yarmo's in a position where he is considering some expensive veteran coaches that he may not consider in a different situation. He has to get this right. And it may be worth paying for now because he has to get this right. This coach has to be, yes, it has to be not a mystery. Can this guy run a room and does he know how to coach in the NHL? Which is, this needs to be kind of a safe bet, I think, in some people's mind, which is why a veteran coach makes a lot of sense. The question is, do they want to pay for that? I mean, Laviolette made 4.9 million per year with Washington. If he's also a candidate in New York, I don't think he's going to take a pay cut. So basically you're at the starting point, the Blue Jackets are paying twice as much for a coach than they've ever paid to get a guy like Laviolette. So that's a question. That's maybe a question for ownership too. Are they willing to go there? Um, so I think there's a lot of factors there to consider. Yeah. And do you think, uh, do you think Lars was kind of like under the edict or the marching orders? Hey, we, you know, we need somebody different than torts and maybe as a rookie coach, he went a little too far to the player side, but kind of maybe thought that's, you know, the environment he was working under, you know, and maybe it was kind of a little bit of a rookie mistake as a coach. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it sure looked like that at times, except that's not a rookie coach. I mean, it, Larson no. is a guy that's, he's been in the organization since I think 2010. He was a right. head coach in the American hockey league. He played in the NHL like this. This should not have been a new experience for him. I just think it comes down to this. And it's not a, a flattering thing to say, but it's true of many, maybe most people. Not everybody is a leader. And that, that's Scott O'Neill is a really good assistant coach. He, we saw here firsthand, not a head coach in the least. And, it, you know, one thing that, that, that seems to be a common complaint is that they lost the room entirely. Not, not just the, the team not responding to coaching because I actually think they played rather. There weren't right. 
there wasn't a firm hand with certain players. And it's a tough thing now because players are making so much money and coaches are making more than they ever did. But, I, uh, you know, one veteran coach said to us in the process, the Blue Jackets are looking for a coach who's not afraid of the players. And I think that sums it up pretty damn good. That's what they're looking for. Um, yeah. And Vincent, yes, I don't know. Lobby, that's not that. He'll be, he's fine in a room full of players. He's coached some, some of the bigger names in the game in the last 15, 20 years. Um, but you need that sort of strong personality. It's not an easy job. I think there's a lot of people who, who don't quite understand uh, the egos and the powerful personalities in a room full of millionaires. And that can be tough. You do get challenged. You get uh, questioned and challenged in a lot of different ways almost daily in this job. Um, and you got to be able to respond to it and, and uh, stand up to it and confront it when you see it. Not the it works. Right. So, right. Thanks. Well, hey, thank you, Forty. Take care. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, let's go to the chat again. If you if you've got a question, you want to step up on the stage, by all means, we'll 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 get get to you. Let's get through some uh, some text messages here. We got a bunch of them here. Uh, Brett S says, "Is Leo Carlson has Leo Carlson moved ahead of Will Smith for you? Now that he has shown he can play center at the pro level, um, you know what, Brett's really I hate to." Maybe take your question too literally, but I, I don't know enough about Leo Carlson or Will Smith myself to have a strong opinion on them. All I can try to do is figure out what the people who truly matter in this process think. And I don't think there's really been a question about Leo Carlson being able to play center. So I think the fact that he is number one center for Sweden at the Worlds and is is playing well. I think that's a really good sign. And I think if he has a great tournament, the blue jackets would be thrilled if he gives Anaheim even either pause for selecting Leo or uh, Adam Fantilli, or if he just makes them feel better about taking Leo Carlson themselves at three, um, a great tournament by Leo Carlson. It is, is a great thing. And so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that we're going to know. I think that's where the draft starts, honestly, for this year. I think logically, well, for sure, Bedard goes first. I think logically, heavily logically, Fantilli goes second. And then I think it gets really interesting. But, you know, some strange stuff has happened. The year that uh, Seth Jones and Nathan McKinnon were the big deal at the draft, I think Seth Jones slid to Nashville. Um, and that was a shock for for many that he went where he did because he was considered um, probably right after McKinnon. He went fourth overall. He slid all the way to four, which nobody could have predicted. Um, so, yeah, I, that's how I'd answer that. Another one from Brett, he says, if you're to any other coaches getting interviews this week, what about Laviolette works with the team besides holding them accountable? Well, I think Laviolette is a hell of a hockey coach. That's what works. Again, I think the question mark is – are they going to pay him five million bucks a year or more? But yeah, I mean, Laviolette is. Look at his resume. I think the most impressive thing about him is he is never, ever out of work. He doesn't last, you know, 10, 12 years in a city like some 
coaches have been lucky to do, but the second he's available, he ends up somewhere else because people recognize his uh his talents. Scott L says Milwaukee to replace Arizona thoughts. That seems like a reach to me. Uh being honest. And I'm curious to see where the league goes with this. You know, do they want somebody else out west? I, I love Milwaukee as a city personally. I think it's super underrated. Um I don't think Chicago would be too happy about adding a team in Milwaukee. Because there's a ton of Blackhawks fans up that around that way. Um, but yeah, I, I have not heard enough of that situation yet. I, and I, let's stop and pause for a second here. I feel, I feel really bad for the fans of the coyotes and I know it's easy to, to crack jokes about, you know, you know, the coyotes and their fan base, but damn it, they've got fans and those people love their hockey. And this is a devastating time. For them, and it's not a, it's not their failing. It's the ownership and the city and the and the league and all that that's that's failed them, not their own passion. Dale B says, could they go the route of a goaltending director that manages different coaches across the organization, or will they go the traditional route? I think that is completely up in the air. My sense is that they like Brad Thiessen in Cleveland and working with their minor league guys. I think Brad Thiessen is going to make a hell of an NHL goalie coach someday. I would interview him for this job now, but much like the personality that they're looking to hire for coach stern, firm, experienced. My sense is that that goaltending coach needs to be um, a bit of a prick too. So I'm not sure this is the time to hire a first time goalie coach. Uh, Josh W. says, you'd almost think Fantilli will slide to CBJ due to the Ducks having Zegers and McTavish as their number one and two. They desperately could use Meechkoff. Well, keep talking, Josh. And uh, let me give you a Verbeek cell number if you want to weigh in there as well. Listen, I, I mean, you don't pass on an Adam Fantilli, my opinion. And I would move Zegers to the wing anyways. To me, that's there's no future there as a as a top six centerman in the playoffs. I think his game is obviously an incredibly talented offensive player, but there's still miles to go without the puck and defensively. Um, and Zegers fixes that. I mean, I have there's no way I say Zegers have Fantilli. Uh, Fantilli to me is the obvious choice, but they. They may see it differently. And, you know, the question that's going to be asked a million times between now and Nashville is, how big is the gap between uh, Fantilli and number three? And really, that's all that matters if you're Anaheim. If you think that is a huge gap, then you, you won't even listen to phone calls. If you think it's not a very big gap at all, if you actually prefer Carlson, then you'd listen. If you're the Blue Jackets and you think there's not a big gap between two and three, between Fantilli and either Carlson or Smith, then why are you interested in moving up to two? You're fine at three. I think you could tell by the Blue Jackets' response the night of the draft lottery that they considered that a, a kick in the pants. Now, was that a kick in the pants because they didn't get Bedard or because they fell out of the top two? 
But if they think it's a huge gap to Fantilli, then of course they'll call the the Ducks and put together a package and see if they can move. But I, if I'm the Ducks, I'm not overthinking this. It's Fantilli, and I'm 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 tapping my toes next to the stage when Chicago takes Bedard because I'll I just run right up there and take him. Um, Scott N says I keep seeing more and more articles saying that Fantilli versus Carlson isn't a no-brainer anymore. Do people really think that's a thing, or are these articles just being controversial, trying to get clicks? I, I don't know. I can't speak to those articles. I'm not sure where you're reading it. Um, the other thing, too, that and, and I think this is important, in any year, like I could, I could call 25 scouts right now and take three of them who say that they don't think Adam Fantilli is that great a player. Uh, top 10, sure, not number two. And go with it. Now, does that mean that Fantilli's not a really good player? It just means that three scouts feel that way. I know a guy who thinks Adam Fantilli is the next Jack Skilly. I think that's preposterous. I don't think there's any comparison there at all. If you look at where, just where they are in their careers right now, I think that's absurd. That's Jack Skilly was was uh, highly touted as a youngster, did not materialize. I, I just don't, I don't get the comparison, but you could, the guy's a scout, he works in the NHL, you could, an NHL scout said, and some people would, would believe that. So this is a weird time of season, not to cross pollinate here, but think of the NFL draft and how great CJ Stroud looked against Georgia, how, how surefire he was, he was going to go number one for a while. And they didn't even play any games for four months before the draft. And then all of a sudden you start hearing, he can't do this. He doesn't do this. And where does this stuff come from? You know, maybe the Blue Jackets and teams that are interested in Fantilli at three or four have people that are more than willing to say, I'm not seeing it with Fantilli. I would suspect you'll see some articles ginning up interest in the, the draft after Bedard goes. Um, but we'll see how the process goes. I, I think it's going to be fascinating when we get to Nashville. But to me right now, I think the draft still starts at three. Um, all right, we're going to go back to the stage in a second. Jacob S. Be ready. Um, Jacob S., we're going to answer a couple more text questions and we're going to get to Jacob on the stage. Tim B says it's always been a thing for people that follow prospects closely. Gap was oh, that's, a, not, that's a comment. No offense, Tim B. He was talking to you, Scott. Um, Ephraim A says you reported earlier that Brunette was a possible candidate. Do you know if Yarmo has either reached out to the Devils for permission to speak to him, or any general interest in him? He's a guy that makes a ton of sense. I do not um, know of contact between the Blue Jackets and Devils. I think the Devils are working out uh, Lindy Ruff staying on. I think if Ruff were to move along, if, if that should fall apart somehow and Ruff moves along, Brunette obviously becomes a, a very likely candidate in New Jersey. Um, but as soon as Ruff is settled, you would think that Brunette uh, will at least be free to speak to other teams um, about their vacancies. And he's a guy that makes a ton of sense given his success in Florida. Um, 
Let's see. Eric S. says, you reported that the front office asked for input from players and the next head coach. Have you heard if that's true this time around? Um, I believe that they're talking to some players, but I don't think it's nearly as involved this time as it was last time. I, my sense is that they, that management is handling this one because really this is about fixing the players, not, not them deciding um, who is going to lead them. I think there's some guys in there whose whose opinions are valued. Wierenski, Corrali, those guys. Um, Good Branson, even new guy. But um, yeah, I don't think there's a formal, quite as formal as it was last time when they when they brought a bunch of veterans in um, to really weigh in on the process and. And he helped them land on Lars. They helped them land on Lars. All right, Jacob, you are up on stage. You're on front and nationwide. Uh, go ahead with your question, please, Jacob. Hey, so quick question. I sure. One, I think it's a fair assessment to say that the Jackets goalie pipeline isn't quite what it was three to four, even five years ago. Uh, that exactly. being said, uh, looking at both Wheeler and Pronman's latest uh, prospect rankings, I don't think either of them had a goalie in the top 30. Uh, so there's a, a few ways you can interpret that. Uh, one of them would be that if Yarmo and company are excited about a goalie, they might be able to pick the, that goalie at their uh, second round pick. Um, do you know if there is a goalie that they're interested in or if it's more of a like, hey, we might just take somebody in the fourth or fifth round type of draft for them? Uh, thanks, Bordy. Sure. Sure. I don't know their draft plans this year for goalies. They've They've just recently had their amateur scouting meetings. That's not something that they would reveal. Anyways, I know they drafted a goalie last year in the fifth round, Sergei Ivanov, who had a pretty good year with SKA St. Petersburg. Um, played limited with them. But, I mean, a 957 save percentage in five games. It's a, obviously a small sample size. But he played pretty well. Um, He's in Russia for at least a couple more years, I believe. I looked this up. Uh, he might have two more years in Russia. He is a uh, he's an interesting prospect. I think one player who's really helped himself here in the last uh, calendar year, seen as a as an AHL starter which puts him on the cusp of an NHL backup job is Jet Greaves. Um, okay, here's uh, Ivanov last year. He had a 935 save percentage in the minors. Had a 957 save percentage in the KHL, so they're big leagues. Spent most of his season in the VHL, which I believe is the second level, like their AHL. At a 900 save percentage, 928 in the playoffs. He's been a really good goalie over there for a 19-year-old. Um, so a bright future there, but probably a few years away. Jack Greaves, to me, is is a guy who's really elevated his game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a goalie this year at all. I just I can't possibly say if that, if they're going to go early with that or not. I think it all depends on the draft board. And I, I haven't gotten the sense that this is a particularly strong goalie draft. Um, but I've always believed that you should take a goalie every year. 
even if it's just in the late rounds, because you never know where these guys are going to develop. Um, so that's what I would say to that. Jacob, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Let's go back to the uh, back to the chat room. Um, Douglas says about Finns the punchline over here to drink or talk pretty much covers it. Um, yeah, I don't want to rip on Finns. There's a great line about Finns though. Um, that a, in Finland, an introvert looks at his shoes when he's talking to you. An extrovert looks at your shoes when he's talking to you. That's an old Finnish crack. Uh, Brian P says, would the head coach be the one to bring on a goalie coach, or does Yarmo JD have a short list to influence that hire? Um, so, yeah, it's a good question, Brian P., Yarmo has said from the earliest part of the process that he sees that as two independent hires, most likely. And I think that's a nice way of saying that Elvis is a special case. And we know what we need to do with Elvis, and it's not a typical goalie hire. Goalie coach hire. Um, yeah. So some names to keep in mind. Marco Terranius is a name we reported a couple weeks ago. Came over from the KHL. He's a Finn. Came over from the KHL. Worked in the Vancouver organization under Ian Clark. longtime Blue Jackets goalie guru. And I don't get the sense that Terranius is going to be in the AHL long. Very highly regarded. Uh, he makes a ton of sense. Another guy that would be a very interesting hire for the Blue Jackets would be Michael Lawrence, who was Elvis's goaltending coach in Switzerland. They were they have a relationship, a pre-existing relationship, but it is not one is not one of how to say this. It is not buddy buddy. It doesn't mean they're not friends, they're friends. But very Michael Lawrence is very much the coach, and Elvis very much the player in this situation. So, in other words, Elvis does not walk all over Lawrence, and Lawrence can get tough with Elvis and did get tough with him. Um, and if you think Elvis is a wild man, <laughs> a wild man now, uh, and he is, he was like, um, he was a madman when he was young and Lawrence was charged with really getting him to bottle that and, and sort of concentrate his energies in the right direction and helped him build a pretty solid game that led to an NHL career. So that would be a very interesting choice. And I think if you're Michael Lawrence and you get an opportunity to talk to the Blue Jackets, your big concern is letting the Blue Jackets know that you're, while you have a good relationship with Elvis, it's not one that precludes you from being firm or corrective. Um, so another name to keep in mind is Jeff Salaiko, a local guy. Columbus played for the Chill. He has worked for the Red Wings, goalie coach in Detroit, goalie coach in Edmonton most recently. Um, yeah, and so that's a guy, I think if you're the Blue Jackets, you at least want to talk to him. 
He's a local guy. He's worked with a ton of guys. He's worked with some Ohio AAA Blue Jackets kids through the years on the side. Um, so that would be a, a, a candidate with a local flavor. Um, yeah. So thanks for the question, Brian. Uh, Douglas NB says, can the Jackets afford to take Carlson when we already have weaker skaters like Jenner and Silly? I don't know what that means, Douglas. Um, I don't, I don't think Carlson is seen as a weak skater. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where to go with that. How about Patrick Wallace is Josh W. Well, Patrick is looking to get uh, back into the NHL. He's currently a coach of the Quebec Ramparts, which are in the QMJHL final right now coaching. Uh, he's, he's, um, He's Malatesta's coach, former Blue Jackets draft pick. It's going to be pro next year with Cleveland, James Malatesta. And he's coaching against the Halifax Mooseheads and Jordan Dumay, who is a dominant player in the, in the queue and will be again next year. So Patrick Waugh is busy right now. Um, there are some... That would be, to me, that's a stranger higher than Babcock. And again, not questioning Patrick Waugh's credentials, but the man um, left the NHL, Colorado, I want to say in mid-August, like three weeks before training camp opened, he quit on the Colorado Avalanche. No other way to say it. Because he didn't have enough say, he thought, in personnel decisions. Now, does he regret that? I wouldn't think so, but I don't know. Um, does Was that a hire that would get everybody's attention? Yes. Is that a no-bullshit coach? That is a no-bullshit coach. Um, is that a guy that will fly off the handle? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Um, I'm just not sure if the Blue Jackets would sign up for that kind of drama. And Patrick Waugh is, he is his own show. So, I, again, I have nothing against him. I think the Rangers could work for him. Um, he's obviously a smart guy, really smart, knows the game incredibly well. Um, one of the great goalies of, of all time. Super competitive. But there's some inherent risk there. Um, I, to me, that would be a bigger reach than... Than Babcock for the Blue Jackets. Uh, Joe P says, assuming the Jackets take the center at three, would there be any interest in moving up if Michkov slides enough? Or is there just no interest in wanting that, waiting that long for a player, even if you get the center? Well, listen, I think the Jackets, I think any team would love to have Michkov. And I don't think waiting for him is that big of a deal if, if you're able to get him. But I don't, I think the challenge is. For the Blue Jackets, and again, this is nothing against Michkov or certainly nothing against him being from Russia. It's the fact that he's a winger, and it's a fact that you do have to wait three years. Now, if that's not your first pick, if he's sort of a luxury pick, like the Blue Jackets have now 21 and 34, if that gets you up to 11 somehow and he's still there, 
I mean, I, I yeah, but we're we're getting a little crazy here. Um, but it's not that they don't want them. It's just they don't want them in lieu of Carlson. It's my sense. I, I think teams are all intrigued by his talent, um, but but not enough to take him over a guy that plays center as a special player and could be ready, you know, two years earlier. Um, Eric S says the popular names rumored to be available for a trade have been Roslovic and Peek. Are there other names you wouldn't be surprised if they were traded this summer? Um, I think those are two obvious ones. Roslovic for sure. I just don't know, you know, what, what's the return? That's my question. Are we talking draft picks here? Are we just clearing out for draft picks? What are we, what are we doing? Um, so stay tuned on that one. Uh, based on personality, I think it, I would be a great head coach for the Blue Jackets. This is Morgan B. I just don't know anything about hockey. I do have five children and no millionaire ego compares to my five and two-year-old. Well, Morgan, I'm not going to pretend to know what you're going through, what, what your uh, kids are like. I respect the hell out of you. I know that. Five children. I have one child. I can't imagine that times five. I have a friend who's got eight. Cannot imagine. Um, rock on. You, you just want to get the hell out of the house 10 hours a day. I, I see where you're coming from. I feel you. Um, Robert F. says, maybe Ryan Reynolds can say the Coyotes. Um, I'd go Snoop Dogg, but that's me. Um, let's see. Robert F. says, as long as Fantilli isn't Ryan Leaf. Hey, whoa, whoa, what are we doing? We're, now we're getting way into the NFL weeds. Patrick D says, so JD messed up in 2016 saying a two-person draft when they hold the number three pick, essentially devaluing their pick. Now JD, for no reason at all, says G CBJ will take a center, making it obvious they will not take Meechkoff. Why would you unnecessarily tip your hand again? Um, Patrick, I, th that's a good question, except I'm not sure it makes that big a difference. This year, I don't think anyone thinks they're taking Meechkov. I don't think anybody thought they were taking Meechkov. Look at that roster, the Blue Jackets. They need another winger. I was going to come up with a really bad analogy. They don't need another winger. They don't need another winger. And they don't need to wait three years to get better from this year's draft. So I don't think anybody believed they were taking Meechkov, anyways. Everybody knows they need a center. Hell, they've probably called every team in the league looking for a center. Like, if you don't know the Blue Jackets are looking for a center, you haven't been paying attention. And I don't mean that's you. I mean, that's the rest of the league. So, I don't. to me, the yes thing is a two-person draft was like, oh, don't say that. Why would you say that? Um, but this, this year, no, there are three. There are four players. And then there's Meechkov, in most people's opinion. Um, so I don't think it's that big a deal this year. Maybe in hindsight, we'll, we will have learned otherwise. Um, Patrick D. says, if the Ducks have Zegers and McTavish and they draft Fantilli, do you see CBJ attempting to trade for Zegers? No. No, I don't see the Ducks even considering trading either of those guys. You can have multiple good players, and you can easily move Zegers to the wing. I think you're a better team with Zegers on the wing. So that's no big deal. Uh, Jeffrey F says, any chance we trade Tarasov and promote Jet to back up 
Elvis, since we can't send Tarasov to the AHL. I, I mean, I, there's a chance they trade Tarasov, I suppose. What team, though, looks at Tarasov right now and says, yeah, for sure we'll keep him in the NHL? I mean, that's kind of the Columbus's burden right now. And I don't think they see it that much of that much as that much of a burden because I think they think he's going to be a really good goalie if he can figure out his health issues here with, with his groin and knee and hip and stuff. He's got to get right. And I think once that happens, I think they think he's a really good goalie. I don't think they're ready to see Jet as a full-time NHL backup right now. So I, I guess that's what I would say. Like, like that, that's getting ahead of it a little bit. I'm not sure who wants the Tarasov situation uh, right now. The guy who's been hurt really struggled last year, has to play in the NHL next year. Not a real enticing situation. I think the more likely situation is that they sign. This is what I would do. If you're committed to Merzlikens and Tarasov, I would sign a rather expensive, a fairly established AHL slash NHL goalie uh, to be the number three. Because at this point, I do not trust Elvis or Tarasov to be an NHL goalie. I'm not saying they can't be. I'll be delighted if they prove me wrong. But at this point, I think you have to prepare for it not to be great because that's what they've shown you. Uh, Jeffrey F said, did Tex play center at all last year? This is, is I assume, in, yeah, he means in, in uh, Switzerland. To my knowledge, he did not. He played wing, and I, I don't think the Blue Jackets consider him a center. Um, he could end up playing there. But listen, with Voronkov coming into the mix, just here's a homework project. Uh, look at the Blue Jackets roster right now. Add Voronkov to it because he's he's coming. He's here. Not physically here, but you know what I mean. With Jenner at center. With Sillinger, Roslevic, Karali, Voronkov, and who am I forgetting? Map out this team's center ice position and figure it out. Tell me how you think it falls. This is why a Rostovic trade makes a ton of sense on many levels. But they've got to, they have to find room. And it, it's not moving wingers to the middle. That just makes the, the situation worse. They've got to sort this out. And I think they will. Um, Patrick D says, considering Babcock has a history of being awful with young players, well, he, let's be fair here. He has a history of being awful with one player, Mitch Marner. Um, I think there are lots of players in Detroit that he, he never heard from and never heard about him being awful with because he wasn't. A lot of this stuff is kind of like torts too. I still hear people talk about how what a disaster Tortorella was in Columbus. He screwed some stuff up for sure. He's far from a perfect man. He's he did the best coaching job this franchise has ever seen. It's not really close. Not even close. Um, anyways, continuing Patrick's question. 
Why on earth would Yarmo consider him to coach one of the youngest rosters in the NHL? Well, that's a, I mean, that's fair. That's a fair question. Why would he consider him? Because look at his resume. He's won a cup. He's won an Olympic gold, two of them. He's won the world championships. He's won the world juniors. He's won a Canadian collegiate championship. I mean, he's got 700 wins. That's why. That's why you consider him. The guy knows, he knows how to freaking win hockey games. Um, is there baggage there? Yes, of course. You know, the fact that he's not in the NHL is because there was baggage. Um, that's why he's not in the league right now, but it's not because he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay. Well, folks, thanks so much for uh, being with us today. If, if the Blue Jackets hire a coach, which I suspect they will, and I suspect is, is going to happen in the words of General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen sooner rather than later, we will turn around and do a live room fairly early next week. Um, thanks for being with us. Thanks for all the questions. Thanks for, uh, for sticking with us. And we will talk to you next week, hopefully with a coach. And then we might take a week or so off before the draft, but we're going to keep cranking these. As long as we've got stuff to talk about, we'll be glad to talk to you about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again last week or next week. And I look forward to it. Thank you. Take care.